Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce you to our guest speaker for today, Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. Reverend Hasselbeck is a rock star of the Unity Movement and is widely regarded as a leading authority on metaphysics and the 12 powers. He is the author of nine books, including Heart-Centered Metaphysics, A Deeper Look at Unity Teachings, which is the main text for the Teaching of Unity Metaphysics courses. He also co-hosts the weekly podcast, Metaphysical Romp 2, and publishes the Absolute Word blog series, Reconstructing the Daily Word Using Oneness Language to Better Align with What He Believes is Unity's Fundamental Belief that There is No Separation Between the Individual and the Divine. He teaches and speaks around the country and internationally, challenging students with a lively and engaging style and infectious enthusiasm, making often difficult subjects fun. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be back. Let me get my PowerPoint set up here, and we will be romping. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready to romp? Are you ready to have fun? Are you ready to learn? Because that's what we're here for. And thank you, Unity of Fort Worth, for inviting me today. And I, as I most often begin, like this little minion, sit back, relax, maybe take out your cell phone. Feel free to take pictures of any slides I share. And here's some contact information for me. My email address is alberthasselbeck.com. My website is paulhasselbeck.com, and the website for my podcast is metaphysicalromp2.com. So, my inner critic. I thought I, I, thought I would uh, introduce you to my inner critic, and I'm wondering if you have one. And sometimes it feels like my inner tyrant. Now I ask you, do you hear inner voices? It turns out most uni people do. And when we started evaluating people psychologically and the uh, psychiatrists heard us say we heard voices, they were quite concerned. <laughs> but they were assured that that is pretty normal and it's not a schizophrenic thing or anything like that. So I hear inner voices. And often, I have to admit this, it is my inner critic. And then my inner critic says things like, bad idea, bub. That was not smart. That was stupid. You're careless. You're an idiot. And it seems like even my inner critic has critics. So do you have an inner critic? Do you hear, hear that inner critic going at you? Do you, do you have that 
negative inner voice? Well, that inner voice is not speaking affirmations, even though they may be I am statements. What I like to call them are defamations, because not, our, not only are we defaming our humanity, but we're not honoring our divinity. And so in Kristen Neff's book, Self-Compassion, she shares, strong individuals should be stoic and silent toward their own suffering. And Ermer Gerd, did I ever learn that as a kid? One of my memories, when I was about five years old, I was playing with a truck on the sidewalk. And, and as I was rolling along, I hit a little sewer pipe that was up about two inches, and I fell splat on my face, and I was screaming and screaming, and I was bleeding. Finally, my mother came out, scooped me up, and do you think she gave me kindness? Do you think she gave me comfort? Not my mom. My mom said, you're a Hasselbeck. We've, we are tough. Stop crying, and on and on and on. And so it's no surprise that my inner critic is the voice of my mother. I can hear her in my head. In fact, one of those things, you're careless, is one of the things she often told me. And this is interesting. So Kristen did some research and she found out self-kindness is not a culturally valued response. Isn't that amazing? And I don't know how that make you, makes you feel, but it's like, whoa. So sometimes I'm just like, I need a hug. And sometimes no one's around to do that. So believe it or not, we can do this. Go ahead, do this. Hug yourself, rub your arms, and you know, Maybe even, even say your name like this. Paul, I love you. I appreciate you. And just feel that. It turns out that our skin, our, our sense of feeling on our bodies doesn't really know whether someone else is hugging us or we are hugging ourselves. So it's a good way to comfort ourselves. And so I want to share this tidbit from Words Can Change Your Brain by Anthony Newberg. It is a good read, folks. So here's what he says. The words we use, even ordinary words, are strong enough to do what? Change our brains and affect the expression of our genes that regulate stress levels. That's really important. So why is this important? Well, if we've been having this habit of negative inner talk with this inner critic, we've already have neural pathways worn in our brains at that point. But if we change our words, we can change our brains. It's so, so important. So during the beginning of the pandemic, back in, I guess it was March or April of 2020, I heard about this book, Your Resonant Self by Sarah Payton, by the person I recognize as my first unity minister. Her name is 
Rita Johnson, Reverend Rita Marie Johnson. And she was sharing at, with, about this book with me. And the tidbit she shared that convinced me to read the book was that our amygdala is always asking two questions. Do I matter? Am I safe? Do I matter? Am I safe? And if the answer to that question is no, then our amygdala sets off a stream of chemicals that set us up for fight, flight, freeze, or please. And these are, these are biochemicals that cause stress in our bodies. It sets us up to fight, flight, freeze, or please. And so because of that book, I learned a little about self-compassion. So I got even more interested in self-compassion. So as a result, in, in that first book, I actually heard what a compassionate voice sounds like. Doesn't that sound silly? But that's exactly what it was. I was walking on my, on my favorite trail in the middle of the pandemic and I'm listening to this recording and I stop when I heard a meditation that was supportive of me, a loving, kind, accepting voice. And that really got me set up for self-compassion. Now, this book is by Kristen Neff. I've already mentioned her. She is probably the foremost expert on self-compassion. I recommend it too. So what is self-compassion? It's being kind to oneself when confronting personal inadequacies or situational... Let me try that again. Being kind to one's sense, <laughs> being kind to oneself when confronting personal inadequacies or situational difficulties. There, I gave myself a chance to be kind to myself. <laughs> and so I like to think of ourselves being kind to ourselves, but I like to say, while we're at it, why don't we give ourselves a big old helping of grace? After all, isn't that what we would do if a friend messed up or was into difficulties or anything like that? Just to offer grace in that moment. So in Kristen's research, she found out that self-compassion has three core components. And they're pretty easy to remember. Kindness, offering ourselves grace. Our, our common humanity, we're all human. None of us are perfect. I know that may come to a shock for some, but I'm certainly not perfect. And we share in that humanity, and so we share in a human experience that we can be understanding about. And the third component is mindfulness. Let's look at those a little more deeply. Being kind to ourselves is being gentle and understanding of ourselves rather than harshly critical and judgmental. Tag, I'm it. I used to do that. I don't do that so much anymore. And I'll share a little bit about that later. So when we notice ourselves being critical, we can say, even so, I offer myself kindness and grace. Why don't you put your hand over your heart? and say that. 
Even so, I offer myself kindness and grace. And how about this? In spite of this, in spite of even this, I love myself just as I am. Have you ever spoken to yourself that way? I sure hadn't. Even so, I love and honor myself. In spite of this, I love and accept myself. What beautiful words, what compassionate words we can share with ourselves. And we can do that with others as well. And then there's the recognition of our common humanity. That's when we're feeling connected with others in the experience of life, rather than feeling isolated and alienated by our own suffering. And you know, this is a little one of those secrets and Alcoholics Anonymous, people sharing their own experience and having other people who have experienced those things support them. We're all human. We all make mistakes. No, we're not sinners. We all err. And so a starting point is not to ignore it, not, not to put pink frosting over it, it's to acknowledge what you're experiencing, what you're going through. I do this. I feel angry. I feel stupid. What, whatever it is, I acknowledge what is. And then I remember these things. It's human to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. What's the big deal here? Life gets bumpy. Things go wrong. Have you noticed that? I can succeed without being perfect. Wow, I wish I knew that 30 or 40 years ago. And not every flaw or weakness needs to be solved now. That's a biggie. Not every flaw or weakness needs to be solved now and may never need to be solved, especially if we don't make a big old negative deal about it. And so the third one is mindfulness. Now, now, this mindfulness I'm talking about is not the meditation practice, mindfulness, vipassana. It has many names. However, the technique we use in mindfulness practice is useful as we go about our days. So we hold our experience in balanced awareness rather than ignoring our pain or exaggerating it. How many of you exaggerate your pain? Oh my gosh, I have so done that. And so with mindfulness, we're in the present moment. We acknowledge what's there, but we don't have any judgment on it. It's, it's our independent witness that's witnessing this stuff when we're in a mindfulness state of mind. And so how do we stop this? Well, we stop it. We stop disparaging internal commenting and self-judgment self through self-awareness. We have to have that, that self-awareness that leads to self-knowledge. First, the self-knowledge is, why is my critical self saying these things? Why am, I, why am I disparaging myself? 
Why am I judging myself? So self-awareness is key. We have to be aware that we're doing it before we can acknowledge it and then begin a process of kindness. We're all human and mindfulness. And so we want to be understanding of our weaknesses, our eccentricities, our failures. When we're understanding of ourselves, we can be more compassionate of ourselves. Now, here's a little bit of interesting science. Not only does survival depend on the fight or flight instinct, that that which the amygdala triggers, you heard me call it fight, flight, freeze, or please, because those are the four things that actually triggers. And it also depends on the tend and befriend instinct. Our survival depends on fight or flight and tend and befriend instinct. We have both and we have to activate both. Oops, I missed something. Our brains and bodies have the innate capacity to both give and receive care. We've done it with others and we want to continue doing that, but we also want to do it with ourselves. When we consistently give ourselves nurturance and understanding, we also come to feel worthy of care and acceptance. Are you worthy of care and acceptance? Say care and acceptance right now. Care and acceptance. Even say, I care and accept myself and see how that feels. When we give ourselves empathy and support, we learn to trust that help is always at hand. We don't have to wait for someone else to do it. We don't have to wait for somebody else to feel sorry for us. We are completely equipped to have empathy and support of ourselves. Now, I'm not saying get rid of the others. I'm just saying we are responsible. In my last talk, I talked about radical self-responsibility. Well, this is something we can be radically self-supportive of. When we wrap ourselves in the warm embrace of self-kindness, we feel safe and secure. This would be a good time to do this again. Mm. Just do that. Rub your arms. Maybe say like, Paul, I love you. You would use your name, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and why does this work? Well, science is showing us physical touch releases oxytocin. And what does oxytocin do within it? It conveys feelings of love, care, and tenderness. It doesn't take another person, but I like it when another person is doing it. So what about this oxytocin stuff? It increases our feelings of trust, calm, safety, generosity, connectedness, warmth and compassion for ourselves. We could call it a wonder drug that our body works and produces. 
So instead of seeing ourselves as a problem to be fixed, do you see yourself as a problem to be fixed? Certainly that's what I learned in the traditional churches I attended. I was, I was taught I was broken in some way, that I was a sinner and that I had to be fixed. And only Jesus Christ could fix me. It's a lovely thought. But now we know since we're 100% divine and 100% human, we're not a problem to be fixed. That's not the problem. So self-kindness self allows us to see ourselves as valuable human beings who are worthy of care. Say, I am a valuable human being. I am worthy of care. See how that feels. You know, if you notice you're pushing back on that, it's okay. Love and accept that. Give yourself one of those big old doses of grace. Oh, speaking of doses, that's what's up next. Dose. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't. It's an acronym for dopamine, which when released, we have feelings of reward. Oxytocin, which we just talked about, when we release that, we have that sense of warmth and self-compassion. Serotonin, when released, gives us a happy mood. And endorphins give us positive feeling in the body. All four of those, our bodies produce. The trick is knowing how to do it. So this was one. This is one, but there's another one we can do that's a little more subtle for with other people. And that is just rub your lips really gently, just like that. Do that for a, a little bit and notice how you begin to feel. When you do that, you are hardwired to release dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And doesn't that kind of feel good? And this is the secret to why kissing is so great, isn't it? Yeah. And so you've met my inner critic. Maybe you have one. And next time your inner critic shows up, use your self-awareness to notice it. Acknowledge it. And then you can self-hug yourself. You can do this. Offer yourself kindness and grace. Know that you're a wonderful human being and you're capable of error. And be mindful. Mindful in the present moment. These are things that can support you to be self-compassionate. And as you learn how to be self-compassionate, you will be more compassionate with those around you. And isn't that important? And so I invite you now to take a deep breath. And as we go into this time of meditation, why don't we start it with that? Just rub your lips or, or give yourself that hug, relax, become still 
Take a deep breath, hold it, and let it go. A deep breath, hold it, and let it go. And as you continue to breathe in and out, you feel more and more relaxed. Even as you feel more and more centered and present. And speak your name to yourself, whether it's out loud or with your inner voice. I will demonstrate it. Paul, I love and accept you. Do that. See how that feels. And as we breathe in and breathe out, we remember that we're both human and divine a mysterious unity in our divinity. We are one. We are identical in our humanity. We are wondrously distinct and unique. In our divinity, we are infinite. In our humanity, we are finite and distinct. And take a moment to glory in the fullness of that reality, the fullness of that truth. It's reported that Jesus said, and told us to learn about the truth and that truth would set us free. And friends, that truth is about you and me and everyone. Breathing in and breathing out as we focus on the truth of our divinity and our humanity, as we go into the silence.
And as we continue to breathe in and out ever so gently, let us remember there is no person, no thing, no event, no circumstance that can cause you to have more divinity. There's no person, no thing, no event, no circumstance that can cause you to have less divinity. You are, I am 100% divine. It's the very resource we use to manifest ourselves and our lives. as we individually and collectively celebrate our humanity. As we love and accept ourselves just as we are. And so it is. Amen. And as you go forth today and every day, remember to be kind to yourself and others. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 